Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My very special guest this week is a gentleman by the name of Ian May, CEO of Storeflex in New York. Welcome back to the podcast, Ian, I must say, by very popular demand. Ian, in my first interview, was episode number 28, which remains the most listened to episode to date. This is a very special episode, number 100. Ian May has been very successfully turning around companies for over 20 years. He specializes in taking companies that are underperforming and turning them into high-performing organizations, increasing revenue, margin, EBITDA, and, of course, company valuations. He has successfully done this repeatedly and sold the companies to new buyers. Currently, Ian is in the midst of doing this again with Storeflex in New York. Ian, welcome back to the podcast. It's great that you made some time for us today. No problem, mate. Happy to be here, and uh, thank you for uh, reaching out to me again. Only too happy to help. Well, that's great. I greatly appreciate it. I know on behalf of our listeners, I'll thank you in advance. Um, So your, your, your resume speaks for itself. I mean, your track record is absolutely impeccable. I'm certain you've developed a number of best practices in doing company turnarounds. Can you share with our listeners a few that have proven to drive performance and success over the years? Oh, I can't. I, I can't do that. It's, uh, I give away the trade secrets. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> the uh, it's not. It, it's it's it, everybody looks for the silver bullet solution. There really is no silver bullet solution because things are are different based upon the industries based, based upon um, what could be the things that are holding a company back. Um, Inevitably um, doing turnarounds. The first thing you have to focus on is culture, the culture of the company. Um, Usually if it's in a, if it's in a tough situation, that's reflected um, in every area and in every discipline. But some of the things um, um, you're right. I got a got a, a very uh, a varied background um, in, in a lot of different functional areas, and so I guess that gives me a, a slight um, opportunity to peek under the hoods in the different areas. But you cannot be successful in doing let's call it a business transformation because it's sexier than a turnaround right that's a well-worn phrase and you know we're uh, talking about marketing nevertheless so let's try and add a bit of pizzazz to it but but um yeah the 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 overarching thing is that you need to get sales growth at the same time that you're tinkering under the hood 
Um, you can't cost cut your way to greatness. Um, it's a misnomer. If you have a massive corporation, you probably can do that and you can do it for a period of time. But most of mine are being, you know, small, small cap, mid cap, uh, companies to a certain extent. Um, amalgamations we usually larger companies and mergers, but you have to build that, that strong growth, um, that enables you to, to, to get the time and also to, to look really hard at the margin, to look at the, the, the customers you have. When a business is in turmoil, people hang on to those customers. Yeah, and some of them are good, loyal customers. Some of them are customers that, you know, are your lower margin ones. So, you know, um, you've, got to, you've got to build a very, very strong pipeline, and you, and you know that um, that's very important. You, know, you and I have spoken at length about that and worked together on, on doing that. The most important thing is understanding <clears throat> the fundamentals of the business and understand the key items that need to be fixed, whether it's in operations, whether it's continuous improvement, whether it's um, uh, productivity capabilities, um, whether it's uh, in technical areas. Um, whether your costing is, is under control. Um, the most, the other thing as well too, is when you start talking to the people who are leading those, those functional areas, only ever work on two or three levers maximum that can move the needle. If you start to, you know, scattergun approach and they have 10 or 15 things, then it gets distraction. Those low hanging fruit will fall anyway, but, but start to master resources and work at, the, at the, the problem areas you identify, but identify them fast. You know, time, uh, speed, um, is the biggest, uh, advantage that you can get in these situations. You've got to move very, very quickly. Um, and you got to be, you got to be willing to work long and hard. Um, to, to get your hand your hands around it, get your team assembled, and go from there. The other thing as well, too, during the way, you'll have the naysayers and you'll have the cynics in any organization. In organization. The best thing you can do is don't worry about trying to turn them um, to, uh, to uh, uh, drink the Kool-Aid. Just get them out. That's the fastest thing that you can do to help them then. And those people, you know, probably poisoned the well over a number of years. And then once they go, people realize that things are serious and, serious and you want to move forward. If you have a major problem, um, how you deal with it can be very galvanizing for everybody. It's kind of like um, last night with the Seahawks. You know, Russell Wilson's in town and he's throwing the ball all over the place. Defense uh, galvanized the whole, the whole team. And... Once everybody buys into it and the enthusiasm and the drive and everyone's committed to doing a good job and working hard, um, then you're going to make progress. And you got to be prepared that uh, things will move a little slowly at the start. Um, but again, eventually when you start to get momentum going, things can catch fire very quickly. And that's when you start to see the, the improvements that you want to see. I love what you said about that, Ian, like culture, like getting to the culture. And your, your famous word, it should be trademarked. You can't cost-cut your way to greatness. It, it's, 
you got to get that sales growth, that margin growth going while you're looking under the hood of the other departments. And having a pipeline allows you to do that. So you're right. We've, we've, we've had some fabulous engagements together over the years, my friend. And uh, building a pipeline is something that's important to both you and I. Um, I like what you also said about trying not to do too many things at once, two or three aspects. Uh, because you get too many things going, you're not going to do a great job of any of them. So having the focus and, and then the time and speed of transformation. I mean, that, that's what it's about. That's moving the needle. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think the, the other thing as well, too, if you keep it simple by the two, two big things and keep people focused, they're confused. Not con- Sorry, okay. Um, let, let, let's just say they've got, they've got um, a lot of things coming at them because they've probably been under pressure and duress for a period of time. Try to simplify it. Say this is well within our wheelhouse. This is well within your wheelhouse. Let's just focus on that. Let the other things go. We'll get to them eventually. Um, but if you have each area trying to do the same thing and just those two or three things, um, it's less, it's less complex. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it's actually having, you know, um, a new coach goes in, goes in on a sporting team. You know, they always say that the, the game plan becomes much simpler until he gets an understanding and until, until the team starts to, to, uh, to work well together. Then you start to add a few more things. Okay. So that's total sense. Build momentum and and sometimes bring it back to basics and then let's all get on the same team and go in the, in the same direction. And then you can start to add to the playbook as you go. It makes total sense. You know what? It never ceases to amaze me. You and I have known each other for over 20 years. Regardless of the industry, the competitive landscape, the location, you're able to get companies firing on all cylinders. What are some of the key problem areas that need to be addressed first in your experience, Ian? Um, that's, an, that's an interesting question. I, I think that um, business uh, is business no matter what it is. So when you distill it, down, I would, I would have to say that, um, well, let me use an example. It's probably better to explain it that way. Um, you know, we're in the, uh, retail shelving business. So bed, bath and beyond. I know that that's, that's a name, uh, right now that's in the news for potentially all the wrong reasons. However, you know, you know we, don't, we don't have any issues with them. Um, you know, grocery chains, you know, Albertsons, uh, Safeway, those kind of things, all those, all those grocery sales. Um, when when you when you when you look at uh, um, you know that that kind of a business, um, it's a business I've never been in before. I've been in steel many many years ago in Australia. But um, you know, we talked about as we work on this path. And it's been six months that I've been working with the team there. That there'll be there'll be a time in the very near future that we could make the decision, not that we will, um, that we will stop manufacturing shelves and manufacturing windows, and we should be just as successful. And we would do that by we would bring the technocrats in, the people with the technical knowledge for making windows, uh, and replace those that are making shelves. But all the rest of the business fundamentals, how we go about our business, our pricing integrity models our customer selections, our pipeline, 
um, you know, our costing, all those elements, our manufacturing, our continuous improvement program, engineering, all this stuff should stand no matter what you do. So if you have those principles and understanding about running a business is the same. And you and I have talked a lot just recently about, you know, in terms of um, operating the sales team, we want sales professionals. Doesn't matter what they sell. We'll train them to sell that. We have people who are well-versed in the technical aspects to support them. But a sales professional should be able to sell anything. So taking those skills and, and identifying the business pain and working on that and getting a value proposition and all those things in place is synonymous with a excellent sales professional. So you have that sales professional and have that skill set. Away you go. No different from an engineer. No different from a biologist. No different from an accountant. Although I spit spit that word out because I used to be one of those. You know, an accountant. You know, is 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 agnostic when across the businesses. You know, yeah, it's, it's the old fashioned debit and credits. So the, the the methodology is the same. Doesn't matter what it is. That's what you need to get to in your business. How you think about your business, so you make those unemotional decisions sometimes, um, regardless of what the product is. And I think that that's probably why, as you said, you know, I've been across a lot of different industries, and that I, you know, um, you know, be, being able to, to to jump from from one fire to the other probably um, is all about the process and the the implementation of, of, you know, the plans and stuff like that, 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 uh, um, a vanilla from one business to the other. That's, that's really what you have to do. Um, and, and, and you don't, you don't get married to an industry, um, or like get a deer in the headlights approach to, Oh my God, I'm in the software industry or I'm in the what's the name industry or whatever. That that becomes immaterial in the overall scheme of things. So that's the reason why. And taking the toolkit from one to the other, it's the same. It's basically the same toolkit. It's not branded with one industry. Um, and once you get that across, and then the people also, uh, you know, start to embrace that and work that way. That's how you start to get um, things moving. You know very clearly they start to think about things in a business setting rather than you know in this you know the word in this industry disappears when we talk about it it doesn't matter how big the competitors are how small the competitors you know you get rid of the word well in our industry we do this once that happens that's when you're in trouble so i love that that's pretty much what it is business and it's about, you know, best business practices and less to do with the product. I mean, stop sell- selling shelves and start selling windows. The story of that, mm-hmm. the, the bigger picture of that makes complete sense. So having that methodology, the toolkit or the playbook that you have sharpened through the years, irregardless of industry, um, it, it's got to be, you know, part of your success ingredients. Uh, for sure, yeah. yeah. But what are some of the key yeah, lessons learned? But, but, right? but before, 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 before we do, before we do that, I think you know, l- you know, let's let's put it in more personal terms, say for yourself. 
um, your ability. Uh, and, and, you know, we've worked together on a couple of a uh, couple of projects. Um, <clears throat> your ability to be relevant in in walking through that methodology, because you have a methodology that's um, specifically uh, designed to bring out the best in the sales or identify sales strengths or sales weaknesses or whatever we want to call it. But it does that, that protocol applies to any industry. I mean, we've, we've, you know, I've had you come in and help us on what four, three or four, maybe five. I can't remember the count now. I can't remember all the bills I signed, but I can't remember the bills we signed. So, (laughs) you know, so, you know, but just thinking about that, when you think about that, you know, just think about the application that's a success in all those. That's based upon a defined methodology and process. No different. So if you do that on a, on a broader base in a lot of different functional areas, um, it's going to work. It's going to work. People, you know, people, you know, yeah, I, I said many, many times is, you know, why can't we do X and Y? And, and I said, you know, um, you're either, no, we can't. I got, the person says, well, I can't do it. You say, okay, well, we can train you. If someone says, well, we can't because it's never been invented, I say, oh, my God, what a great opportunity. Let's go and invent it. So, you know, like, there, there is no, no, the answer to the question is never no. It's how much energy, how much uh, involvement, and how much, how much time are you going to put into it to be the best you can be. So, you know, so your, your sales process has been proven um, to be beneficial regardless of the industry as well too. So that's, that's kind of like, you know, a, a self-proofing, if you will, you know, just looking at, at your business model. So. Well, thank you for those kind and generous words, Ian. I'll, I'll, I'll be buying you dinner later. <laughs> I, I right, well, I, uh, we'll be back to my, I guess, I guess we'll be back to McDonald's again. So that's good. <laughs> There's a man that knows another name, a guy named Ian, just like the two Ronnies. That's the right. The two Ian's in right. America. <laughs> That's right. That's all right. That's you know, we, we don't, we, we don't, we don't suffer, suffer any, any illusions or grandeur. Some, someplace That's which right. is, uh, which is decent. We feel comfortable in and somewhere where you don't have to wear socks. You know, his, there you, uh, go. you know, flip flops, <laughs> flip flops is That's the way to go. That's an inside joke. Keep, We're not going to yeah, do that it, one with keep, anyone, but that is an no, inside no, keep, joke. You have, you have to, and the other thing as well too is you've got to, you've got to um, make sure that you have, uh, uh, you have a lot of humility in, in anything you do as well too when you're working with people who are under pressure. They're looking, yeah, they're looking for someone who's, they're looking for someone who's, who's swimming in the swamp with them, not someone who's. Uh, telling them they need to swim to get out of the swamp. They want somebody who's going to jump in there and say, look, I've been here before. I've seen this. Right. But I have seen, yeah. I have seen success and I have seen the vision and we are going to get there because I've been through this multiple times. So that also yeah. is a big plus for, for people in that yeah. situation. That's a leadership style big time. And, and that's probably, you know, I mean, you've got to have learned a lot of key lessons over, over the years of doing this successfully. When it comes to working with private equity firms specifically, and I know you've worked <clears throat> with a few, what are some of the key lessons learned from those situations? Um, uh, you know, 
I was lucky I worked for, for a lot of large corporations that have problem divisions and had an opportunity to to get my get my toes with um, um, you know in that and, and I guess that's probably a bit of a safe environment because you're working for a large corporation and you know the, you know they move relatively slow although I did have one boss that says you know you know, when I was moving from a controller's position to a plant manager in a Milton plant, um, I said to him, well, what's the downside? And he says, well, if you screw it up, I'll fire you. So well, that's a fair bet. And I jumped in anyway, but the, yeah. the, 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 the essence, the essence of, um, of that is I think some, some people are more concerned about the label of private equity rather than what's the what's the organization like like what are the ownership group like what are the managers or operating parts like in that it can be the same in a large corporation that can be just as you know frustrating as they can be in private equity it's just the private equity um has probably um uh, want faster timelines they have they have timelines based upon the funds that um they may have, and they want to get in and get out. So, as corporations, divisions of corporations may hang on to things a little bit longer. So, that may be the difference. But the personalities uh, um, you're going to find in both organizations, um, and in private equity, yeah, they're probably more aggressive um, within the different groups. It can be a little bit of dog eat dog, um, and like in any organization, sometimes people. Uh, think that they know more than anybody else. Um, when you do find the right one, and um, right now I'm very fortunate to be working with ones that um, um, best exemplify um, letting an organization do what needs to be done, get out of the way, be incredibly supportive when they have to, um, and um, work collaboratively. And that's where where it's... Um, uh, the difference comes. So yeah, um, yeah, maybe I should have been a little bit more um, sus- uh, suspect um, um, in in some of the, some some that I went to. But at the end of the day, you go through the meat grinder. Um, you're going to learn something in every particular situation. Um, so then you're able to select um, the good. You know the good ones from the bad ones and if you get the good ones then uh, provides a great opportunity uh, I mean I once had someone told me that um, the only thing you can select in, in life is your boss so in this this market where where um, talent is in demand that is something that everyone needs to look at you know is this the boss I want to work for um, because you know that's where you're going to get your growth and get your drive and everything and I think that's that's a real valid point. So, but yeah, you know, it's it. You have to have a, um, you have to work really, really hard, um, and uh, be someone who wants to get results and um, satisfied with the results you get today, but not satisfied when you get up tomorrow morning because you got to move on to the next one. And in the end of the day, that's what you're paid to do anyway in life. So you just kind of get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common theme for, for, for irregardless if it's private equity or a large organization or even a small startup. 
hard work uh, yeah. does create results and it needs to be consistent hard work to, to make consistent results. So I really like what you said about it being about the people and the collaborative nature and, and some are and some aren't so much. So having the experience of, you know, a variety has, has certainly been a, a benefit to you through the years. Again. So when a company wants yeah, to sell, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. It's a, uh... The other thing as well, too, is that, um, you know, we talked about, you know, cost cut your way to greatness. The first area they look at is, is the labor. They look at labor dollars. Um, my philosophy uh, for years has been the other way. You know, you can invest for all the new equipment you want, but on a Sunday, that, that equipment doesn't produce an item at all. It needs, it needs the human um, interaction to make it. So as much money as you put into preventive maintenance for equipment, you need to put that into human capital. And that's something that um, I've, you know, always been the forefront is, you know, get people uh, at or above a livable wage, incentivize everyone on the same common common goal in, in, in our situation. It's EBITDA. It's easy. It's meaningful. Everything has an impact. And everybody eats, uh, you know, um, uh, when we when we get the same result, so and, and you, you take care of the people. That's the number one thing you need to do. And of course, you know, w- working in a notoriously you know red uh, red area of uh, New York State, I can tell you that um, you know uh, when you know, when you talk about those kind of things, people are very happy um, to to see that it's going to impact their family. And some people ask me, well, why do you do that? I just say, well, I'm just a good old-fashioned socialist from Canada. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and get a few laughs out of that. But no, it, it really, you really do have to care. And the only, the, the, you can do all the right things. You can have, you know, open, you can be honest, the dialogue and all that good stuff. Um, but uh, you got to back it up with making sure that you're rewarding them, um, you know, better than than what the market is. That's how you get and keep good talent, and that's how you're able to upgrade your organization. Makes so much sense, especially in today's environment where you know the, the great resignation going on. It's hard to find good people. So once you do find them, if you treat them well, like you said, you care for them, you'll you'll, you'll generate loyalty. So it's it's so important and and very timely. So when mm-hmm. a company wants to yeah. sell, be it the private equity or anyone, a company wants to sell itself. Yes. Yeah. Um, what are some of the critical aspects they should focus on in terms of getting ready, in terms of preparation? Okay, so this, 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 I'm going I'm to pull out two, two parts out of that, uh, questions out of that. The first one is at the back end. Um, if you're going to sell, there's two drivers to drive the sales price, which let's be honest, that's what everybody's looking for. The first one is... <clears throat> getting the EBITDA um, up. And the second is getting the revenue up. Because the higher the revenue, the higher the multiples. And then that's like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, two, that's part, um, you know, uh, one and one makes five in that situation. It's very simple. So, so you got to look at, at the things that are going to impact both of those. Um, the critical areas you need to is you need to be uh, repeatable. So that means that you need to have a consistent um, financial performance on a month-to-month basis. 
um, you need to have um, strong uh, internal internal controls because that's part of the due diligence process for sure. Um, and at the end of the day, um, we always talked about how you drive the business. You want to make sure that um, that there's meat on the bone for the buyer, um, and that um, you know that, what does that mean? if you yeah, if you are, meat on the bone mean? Well, well, basically, you know, as you, as you build and you know, you know a, a sale in terms of you know from a turnaround as a turnaround gets in. First of all, the buyer is going to be, oh, well, is this a flash in the pan? So you have to put those fundamentals in place. So like we talk about, you know, the pipeline. The pipeline is an asset of the company. It's not just a feeder to build revenue. It is an asset. If it is working well, that providing the longevity and lifeblood of the company in the sales side. It's the same in preventive maintenance, the same in equipment, same in what you're doing strategically, the markets that you're looking at, the type of salespeople you've got. Um, the ability of, if you're in a technical business, the business, the, how well um, uh, trained are, are your technical people? I mean, they're the kind of things that that, uh, that you need to have in place. Now, when you do that, you start to go through certain milestones and checkpoints. And you got someone who wants to buy something, they want to get it cheaper. Um, if you've got, uh, if you're trying to... Um, garner every penny in the sale process, then, you know, it, it, it could could be strung out or whatever it is. If, you, if you've got a, a game plan and you're showing continued growth and it's working, the buyer has the opportunity to, to get the benefit of some of that upside from the foundations that's put in, point, in place. That's just a normal situation. And so that's what I mean by meat on the bone. You're going to go yeah. into sales. Say, <clears throat> so it's not just, yeah, you, you know, yeah. you hit the you hit the, the roof and there's none left. You you got to have some headspace for more growth to occur. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, yeah, you're exactly right. It's, you know, the way I look at it, it's like you're 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 driving the business to to hit this to hit this uh, selling price, blah, blah, blah. and when you all everything aligns and you hit that, then after that you walk off the cliff or it plateaus. One of the two. You don't want that. You want something to say, here's where we're in the path. Here's the milestones we checked off to show that the fundamentals are solid. We're building on this. Here's the, st the strategy and the tactics we're implementing as if we're going to that. So then that's when you sell it in the process. You don't, you don't sell it when you, when you want to flatten it at the top. And then those people can come in and they can continue to grow, add to it. Maybe, you know, look at a, at another acquisition to, to continue to, to fuel the growth. And then that's, uh, that's the meat on the bone. There's, there's, there's a opportunity for them. If they continue to support the business on the path it's on, it's going to be given a predictable result. And then they're going to benefit from that uh, predictability going forward. Makes total sense. So like focus the two areas you mentioned, uh, Ian, just to summarize, focus on increasing EBITDA and revenue because one and one equals five. So not only does your revenue growth drive uh, but your EBITDA drives the valuation because you're into better ratios and it, it will be worth more, but also leave meat on the bone. I, that's the, the big summary. So, so you're able to create such positive culture in companies across all the employees, 
what are some of the things you do to get that 180 degree mindset shift? You know, you mentioned a few, like treating people you know, better than perhaps they were treated uh, before. Well, what's some of the secret sauce with your culture plan? Um, re- really, I guess <clears throat> it's very cliche. You want to be treated, you want to treat people the way you'd like to be treated, but that, but that's, you know, that's something that, uh, I think everybody aspires to. So we'll just put that on the side. I think that there's an overwhelming desire, um, to want to be, um, successful um in in anything you do if you want to do something you want to do it to the best of your ability um that doesn't mean it's it's every you're always going to be perfect or far from it but you do want to give it give it a hundred percent i mean a lot of people says you know like uh, i give 120 percent and stuff like that yeah you can't give 120 percent 100 percent is maximum so you know that's you know i always sort of, you know, do a little subtle eye roll there, or maybe not so subtle eye roll when someone tells me 120%. It's 100% is what, you, what you're capable to do. I think, um, I think when you are committed to something, then it reflects that people understand that you, A, you're extremely committed and still serious. Uh, you want to be fair doesn't mean it's always going to be popular, but you're not going to tolerate, tolerate the BS. And I think, you know, the more that the more of these that I've been involved with, the, it's always, you know, it's always, it's always easier to identify those people to fit that category. And I always use the term it says, you know, the movie's the same. It's just the name of the actor playing that role is different. The character is exactly the same. So they're going to, it, you know, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck it's a duck okay well then we need to get rid of it um but you move fast on that so people see that you do want to make a change to make things things better um so i I think it starts there the other thing as well too is that you know hard work um and by by hard work i mean actually you know um hard yards at the coalface um putting in the time you know i always said that um you know, I'm not even close to being being a smart person, but you know, a lot of people have to go hard. Will have to be work really, really hard to to outwork me. Um, that's the that's the hallmark. I mean, you and I are hockey people. And we always talk about you know, you know, the beloved uh, Vancouver Canucks. Do you want to be a Marcus Naslin or do you want to be a Trevor Linden? Well, Trevor Linden's the guy that's in there grinding, doing it, that gets the respect of the teammates. That's that's who we want to. Uh, emulate. Don't want to be. A, I don't want to have a photo on the front page of the paper. I just want to make sure that I help the guys get get in the back of the net and then turn up every night and work uh, work with the same uh, hard um, hardness. I guess is is what it needs to do. That then starts to bleed into the culture. I think you know. Yeah, I, I guess I sound like a real you know hard person, but I'm you know. Have a very self-deprecating when you're in the workplace. Have a lot of fun, you know. Crack a lot of jokes, um, you know. Don't take myself seriously, um, or at least uh, uh, externally, but internally, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and then create environments 
and create fun activity um, for people. Yeah, not just in competition, you know, you know, you celebrate the successes, uh, you do things differently, um, you know, you, you know, give away the trinkets and trink, trinkets and trashes, they call it, you know, have the family, uh, family uh, barbecues and that. But importantly, too, um, get involved in the community. Start to put some money into um, certain events in the community that uh, raise the, um, uh, the, the, the the company name so people who are working in the company can identify with that. They see their names outside of the building and, and say, hey, listen, you know, you know, I'm part of that company and, you know, we're sponsoring da-da-da-da-da or we're sponsoring a kid's you know, uh, baseball team, the school's baseball team. So as a parent, they can say, oh, my company, you know, you know paid three, four hundred bucks for, you know, for the, for the T-shirts or, or things like that. Um, that also gets people involved because you, you're now talking about wanting to make a difference, not just for the families, but the family's um, role in the community, encourage them to be better, you know, community support people. And, and walk around with a sense of pride. That gets the culture change, um, and and allow people to to be themselves. Um, great way to do that is to flatten the organizational structure, so there's less people at different levels, um, and also break the silos up and do that through continuous improvement. Um, and have cross-functional teams working on common problems. That's great for learning. Um, the other thing as well, too, is when we hire people, um, we hire nice people because you can, you can train someone who's nice with just a minimal amount of gray matter um, to, be, to, be a, to be a great employee. You can't hire the smartest guy um, uh, who's not a nice person and training to be nice. That's that's right. a surefire way to create problems. So don't yeah. even don't even think about that. You know, so that kind of that kind of those kind of attributes um, uh, are great to have. And someone who's going to give you as much stick as you give them. I'm great for you know having what's called good natured shots of people, but those people are just as comfortable after a short time doing the same thing back. That's when you get it. You don't take things seriously. You got to remember as well, too, is that, you know, um, we are all employees of a company. We just have different responsibilities. You start you know, believing what you read on your business card, then you're in trouble. Um, you don't, you know, you, you get sent out, you know, your tagline on your email has got, you know, where you were born and, the, you know, all those kind of things, which is like about, you know, half, half or two thirds of a paragraph then, you know, you're more, you're more impressed with that than you are with, you know, just your, just your name and your personal phone number pretty much says it all. Because if they don't, if, if you're dealing with people and they don't remember that, um, then you haven't done a good job of positioning the company well in their eyes or solving their problems. Um, and so that's, you know, that's, that's really what you, you know, what you, what you need to think about, then, you know, there's, like I said, there's, in our organization, we're all employees first. We, we have different responsibilities, but don't live the responsibilities because that's where you start to get in trouble. 
So right. you want to sit down like at the, the table. Steady, hard work, uh, recognition, have some fun, be intentional about it uh, to the degree that employees start to take pride in, in where they work and the team they're on and breaking up the silos, flattening the structure. So it, it's, it's more cross-functional. And people really work together that way. And then there's where the culture starts to turn. And fabulous, yeah. fabulous lessons learned. Ian, I want to thank you very, very much for being episode 100 on the, on the podcast. And thank you for taking the time today and sharing your, your successful experience with the listeners. I mean, you're very welcome. I know it wasn't very sales focused. Um, because uh, I know that's uh, that's your strength and uh, your forte. You do an amazing job at it. Um, so uh, yeah, appreciate you know the questions. It gives you gives you food for thought to think on a little bit of a broader broader brush than um, just uh, hammering away at sales. Because you know if you want to understand my 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 view on salespeople, listen to what is it episode twenty eight. Um, episode twenty eight. That that's the one. Yeah, because that. Was, that was where we, we we got talking about uh, sales and motivation and how you motivate people and stuff like this is you know a little bit broader but the, like I said you know you you have to start to drive the sales um, and growth um, regardless of what stage your business is the minute that you you, you back off that then you start to uh, it can you can start to reverse uh, pretty ugly so. You just keep going at it. Keep going at it. Again, my, my special guest this week is Ian May, CEO of Storeflex in New York. Thanks again, Ian, and thank you all for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins with Ian Selby.